Hey, what's up, guys? It's Allie on the Allie Michi podcast, and I'm super pumped about today's episode. It's freaking amazing. I hope everyone's Tuesday is going well. Um, just a friendly reminder we have new episodes airing every Tuesday and Friday at 9 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. As always, I am super grateful for everyone who tunes in each week. Um, This week, we've got an amazing episode all about intermittent fasting with Dr. Neely Azar, who is an internal medicine physician practicing in Phoenix, Arizona. She's absolutely wonderful. You guys will die. She's so cute. You can hear it through her voice. It's amazing. Um, And before we jump into the show, I would love, love, love if you would subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. And if you're feeling extra generous, drop a review of the show. It truly helps other like-minded individuals connect find us and you know spread goodness um as well i'm located on instagram at the ally mcgee podcast i'll drop that in the show notes so you can be sure to follow along i'm always interacting with the community and asking what you guys want to hear so that i can provide that with you so without further ado let's chat fasting i'll see you on the other side Hey, what's up, guys? It's Allie on the Allie McGee podcast, and I'm here with Dr. Neely Azar, internal medicine physician in Phoenix, Arizona, and we have known each other for a few years, um, and I've seen her patients have these massive transformations in terms of weight loss when it comes to intermittent fasting, and I just had to get her on the show to pick her brain about everything she knows because she was doing this long before it was cool or a trend or a fad, so I'm super excited to chat with her and learn more about this and answer some questions from um, my Instagram followers, so thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Allie. This is so fun. Of course. Have you done a podcast before? No. (laughs) First one. I love it. I love being the first one for a lot of people. This is amazing. Um, can you kind of share a little bit about yourself, your educational background, and what internal medicine is? Sure. So um, I went to medical school at the University of Virginia, and then I came out to Phoenix to do residency, and I was really only supposed to stay here for three years, but I got stuck, and now I, I guess I'm a Phoenician. Hmm. Internal medicine is uh, the practice of medicine that really focuses on adult um, and kind of chronic medical issues. Um, So lots of focus on illness like diabetes, hypertension, heart disease, lung disease, um, chronic liver issues. Um, And just depending on how comfortable the physician is and what their scope of practice is, um, they may manage a bunch of stuff that um, otherwise might get referred to specialists. And Of course, I'm not a specialist, so at some point I do refer, but um, it's nice because it gives me kind of a broad broad experience to manage lots of different patients with lots of different illnesses. Mm, How did you decide on internal medicine versus, um, you know, maybe another area? Yeah, so I actually went to medical school because I wanted to deliver babies. Um, and I got totally sidetracked. Um, my medical school divided up their hospital into 
um, kind of specialties and I did a month rotation on the GI slash liver hepatology ward and I fell in love with GI. So I went into internal medicine thinking I was going to do a fellowship in GI and um, I just kind of got burned out. By the end of residency, I was done with training. So I fell into primary care very accidentally, and um, I found that I really liked it. I love the um, continuity that you establish with patients and seeing them over a period of time. And um, I just, it, it wasn't what I was expecting, but I love it. So here I am. Mm, I love that. I love that you are able to build a relationship with the patients. Even when I was working in the lab, like I would see my regular patients all the time, but it was nice because I could build a relationship with them and they feel really comfortable with you and you can really help them. You know, I was on the lower end of the spectrum, but I could help people, um, you know, have these like relieve anxiety around like blood draws or things like that, that could be really scary. So it's cool to see, you know, on a higher level, the physician is able to, you know, help them navigate through their health care and really take yes. charge of that. Yes. Um, I love it. That's my favorite part of my job. Yeah. Cause I think sometimes specialists, like they're like, everyone wants to be a specialist, but then it's just kind of like, like the DMV, like take a number and like get in, get out. And it's like, did you really help them? Like probably, but did you really like build that relationship and like see them transform? You don't really get that opportunity. Um, So that's awesome. I love that. So while we were working together, I would see these patients who would come in. I actually learned more from the patients about intermittent fasting, you know, from them telling me about it right after their visit than from you. (laughs) What is this lady doing behind closed doors (laughs) talking about this intermittent fasting and her patients are just having like massive transformations, like hundreds of pounds are lost, you know? So can you kind of go into what intermittent fasting is? Um, we'll start there and how you were introduced to it. Um, so it's kind of funny. I was introduced to it through one of my, um, my best friends and colleagues, Aeneas, who had actually started doing it. And, um, I started doing it because I had, had um, twin boys and I had kind of um, slightly elevated blood sugars during the pregnancy, not technically gestational diabetes, but I um, lost all my um, pregnancy weight. And then I just like started eating six scoops of ice cream every day because I was breastfeeding two boys and I was just like, I'm going to have it. So I packed on all this weight and, um, and I checked my blood sugar. I finally got labs done and it was like too high. So um, I started doing intermittent fasting for myself as a way to um, get my blood sugars controlled and try and lose weight. And what it is, is it's really, you know, we label it, we've given it this term intermittent fasting. Another term that um, you might hear is um, time restricted eating. And this is kind of, this is how our bodies have evolved. This is how we have um, historically produced insulin, used insulin as a means to regulate blood sugar, but more importantly, as a means to store fat and sugar as energy so that we can have it during the periods of time where we weren't necessarily going to be eating. So today in modern day, we have food like at the ready. It's always available to us, but that's not the way it's always been. And um, 
so we have this fabulous hormone called insulin that when you're done eating and you're done using your energy for that moment in time, it just stores all that energy away as fat so that you can access it later when you don't have calories. The problem is, is we're ne we never have that period of time anymore where we don't have calories. So intermittent fasting just enables you to incorporate periods of time where you're not consuming oral calories so that you can tap into your stored calories again. Mm, I love that. Yeah. I think we are stuck in this modern world of like, we have to have breakfast, lunch, and dinner and snacks yeah. and like yeah. dessert and all these yeah. things, but our yeah. body never gets to like rest and digest, you know? Yeah. Um, so what are the hours for intermittent fasting? What does that look like? Okay. So one thing I'm going to tell you, and it's what I tell all my patients um, by no means am I an expert in inter intermittent fasting. Like it's very personal because I've used it and I've seen outcomes. I've used it medically. Like I use it the way I would use drugs. Mm -hmm. So instead of using certain medications or instead of using insulin, if patients are up for it, I use intermittent fasting. Ooh. But you always steer patients towards kind of the guru of intermittent fasting. And that is a physician by the name of Jason Fung. He's a nephrologist. He's a kidney specialist. He specialized um, in um, the kidney, and therefore he sees a lot of diabetic patients. Um, he practices outside of, I think, Toronto, and he has written a couple of books. Um, one book I steer people towards is called The Obesity Code, and it really kind of gets into, um, in layman's terms, why intermittent fasting works. Um, he has tons of videos on YouTube. He has tons of videos that are geared towards physicians. He has lots of videos geared towards non-medical people. So I really kind of want people to know about him because, first of all, he's an expert on it, um, but also because he really has put it in very simplified terms. Mm -hmm. um, so that's like the first thing that I always tell people. Love. Um, to get... To, there, there's some, if you look up intermittent fasting, there's like tons of stuff on the internet. Yeah. Um, within like the weightlifting community, there's tons of stuff. Within every community, there's tons of stuff. Yeah. From a medical standpoint, to get like the medical benefit. So I use it in patients who want to lose weight. I use it in patients who have either diabetes or they have insulin resistance, so they want to reverse that. I use it in patients that have elevated liver enzymes because of fatty liver. It reverses that. And kind of the benefit is it ends up resulting in decreased inflammatory markers in general in people. So people will notice um, their joints don't hurt as much. They don't have as much back pain. They don't have as, have as much heartburn. So they get these kind of other benefits as well. And I use it in patients that have high blood pressure. So I use it the, this way medically. And so to get the medical benefit, you have to have a minimum of a 16 hour overnight fast. Mm. Have to build up to doing that five days a week. Mm. So I usually tell people take a month and slowly kind of just everybody's different. For some people, fat, the fat, the length of time in and of itself is not that hard, but doing it five times a week can be the challenge. Um, for other people, they can do it 
you know, they can do 12, 13 hours easily, five days a week. And so going to 16 hours is a challenge. So I say, take a month and build up to that. Because as you do it slowly, the reason why intermittent fasting works, it's not about calories. It's not about energy expenditure. It's about hormone production, primarily the production of insulin and the production of growth hormone and norepinephrine um, and your kind of sympathetic hormones. So as you're manipulating these hormones by doing these fasts, you end up also affecting other hormones like leptin and um, ghrelin, which these hormones kind of drive hunger, they drive metabolism. So for some people, the idea of doing a 16 hour overnight fast seems really um, kind of insurmountable. Like, oh my God, I can't do it. Like this, yeah. I'm lightheaded, I'm gonna um, get hangry, I'm not gonna be able to handle doing this. So I usually say, do it to however long feels comfortable, then drink like a big glass of water and try and do it another 30 minutes. And then whatever amount of time that is, so that's like, let's say for some people, that's 13 and a half hours. So do that five days a week. Mm. And the week after, do it 30 minutes longer. And what they find is, as the, the production of these hormones start to change, the level, the threshold at which they have to get to before they start feeling lightheaded or they start feeling really hungry or they start getting irritable, that starts to change. So it becomes easier and easier to push that time out. So if they can work on a 16 hour fast, five days a week, over a month, usually by that point, they've kind of got it under their belt and it has become something that is easy for them to do. Mm, I love that approach. I think far too if like I were sitting in the patient chair and you told me it's like okay let's start intermittent fasting I'm like all right tomorrow I'm gonna start 16 hours you know on the dot yeah, yeah. but I feel like that's almost setting yourself up for failure yes. because yes. it's too much too quick I love the approach of like going so slow that you almost don't even realize it and when you start to you know realize it you're drinking your water and then yeah. you know waiting 30 minutes so yeah. you have a really specific approach to like curbing the hunger, which is nice. And also kind of like pushing your limits, almost if like someone were to push their body in the gym, this is how they can push their body with like nutrition. Yeah. Um, it's because like the gym, you go to, you can't go to the gym once and expect to see results. You can't try intermittent fasting for even a day, a week, even two weeks. You really have to kind of give it some time. I think yes. our culture is too caught up in, um, instant gratification yeah. and we want results like right now. So if we can't see it, we're just going to go suck something out or, you know, text something up or whatever. But, um, I think if we give our body time, cause our body takes a long time to heal and it does. You know, and change. So two to three weeks is like probably the minimum, I would say four or like even six weeks of really giving your best shot of going five days a week to change these patterns because you're also going to slip up on some days and some days won't be pretty and you know, whatever. So you yeah. have to allow for error, I think. Absolutely. And the, you know, the thing that the, the reason why a lot of these things don't work is because we do them in ways that are just not sustainable. Like this has to be sustainable. So like if one day or two days or five days of the week, 
you just cannot stop eating and you're just eating all the time, that's okay. Like the next day, try it. Because every day that you do it, it your body just gets more and more used to it. Mm-hmm. One kind of hack that I um, tell patients about um, is, you know, it's kind of the, the 12-hour mark is kind of when insulin starts to take a back seat. So insulin, our, our body's producing insulin every time we eat. We have glucose in our blood um, stream. We have, that's sugar in our bloodstream that stimulates the production of insulin. And then there is this kind of constant dance between insulin and blood sugar to maintain a certain level where we don't feel hungry, but we don't, and we don't feel lightheaded, but we're not. Our blood level, our blood sugar levels aren't too high. So this goes on. It takes about twelve hours of fasting before your body's finally like, okay, I'm not gonna get food. I've got to tap in to my stored calorie source or my fat. And so insulin kind of takes a back seat and then you start producing your norepinephrine, you start producing your growth hormone. These things start breaking down um, fat that is stored as your calorie source. And so if you can be asleep, if you can time it, so you're kind of, sleeping through that mark because that 12 hour mark people are usually like walking around they're like oh my god i'm so hungry i need to eat right now you can be asleep during that time period um that hunger like some people never even feel that hunger Mm. okay that brings up a great point so what should like the hours be should we stop eating by like 6 p.m so we can doesn't matter okay doesn't matter Whatever works for you, and it doesn't okay. have to be the same, like it doesn't have to be the same 16 hours. It doesn't have to be the same five days a week. Mm-hmm. Rule, it just, it, you just have to have that time. Okay. Um, and again, like, so you can manipulate it to however works best for your schedule. So, you know, some people, a lot of people tell me, I hate breakfast. I mm-hmm. force myself to have breakfast because I've been told that it's, you know, the most important meal of the day, I have to have it, but really I don't want to eat. Like I don't feel hungry to eat till around 11 or noon. So for them, like it, it, it's already kind of set up. Their body's already kind of set up for a certain way, but for someone else, like they may have a business meeting that they have to go to at night and they're going to be eating late and they're going to be drinking late. And so for them, their 16 hours is going to be pushed a lot later in the day. It doesn't matter. Okay. Just a time frame. 16 hours of continuous. Yes. Okay. I love that. Um, so what do the other, so say you're doing five days on of fasting and two days off. What do the other two days look like? It, we obviously shouldn't just try and, you know, compact everything back to our normal habits or, you know, go crazy and just eat like, you know, rampant, like, you know, we're trying to change these patterns. What do those look like? Does it really matter or should we, should we be changing? Okay, so I like to do things in a stepwise approach (laughs) because if I, like, for example, if I say to someone, oh, you should be doing a 36-hour fast once a week, um, they're just going to be like, no. (laughs) Yeah, literally. If you told me that, I'd be like, you're crazy and I'd probably leave. (laughs) Exactly. I wouldn't have done it. So what, this is kind of, um, I say to take those that month to get your body used to it. Understanding that 16 hours a um, day, five days a week is kind of a starting off point. 
that's kind of, for some people, that's perfect. That mm -hmm. works perfect for their lives. For other people, like they want more. And when I say more, what I mean is they want more results, like mm -hmm. even better control of their blood sugars, or they might want to lose more weight. Um, the, the times that you're eating, so the non-fasting time, so like that eight hour window of time that you're eating, or on the days that you're not eating. Now, some people will say, listen, I can't do different things on different days. I, I'm very regimented. I have to do the same thing every day. If I don't do it for those two days, then I, like, I struggle to get back in. Yeah. And like, whatever makes this easier for you. You don't mm. only do it five days a week. Okay. I think, like, I've noticed that the more consistency you have, it's almost like your body gets kind of used to it yeah. and it doesn't, it doesn't have quite the same effect. Um, but as far as what people eat during the time that they are allowed to eat when they're fast, when they're not fasting, yeah, with very rare exception, you know, there's certain things that I pretty much tell people don't, don't do these things. Like, yeah, don't drink juice. Don't drink soda. Don't use artificial sweeteners. Mm. Everything else is on the table. Mm. So yeah. try and steer towards a whole food diet, lots of fruits and vegetables. Try and eat healthy. If you have the means and you have the ability and the interest to eat organic, great. Um, if you want a piece of cake, like eat a piece of cake. You can yeah. eat this stuff. You can have food with with very few exceptions there aren't things that i say you can't have mm -hmm. um, just have them in moderation and you absolutely should not be calorie counting you shouldn't be calorie restricting during that time period during those eight hours if you're hungry eat if you're not hungry don't force yourself mm, well powerful advice i definitely kind of going back to the you know, eating five days on, two days off. I'm a routine person. So I just need to like, once I'm doing it, I'm in my groove. Like I don't want to yes. be messed up. So yeah. I think that would be best. It's nice to know that, yeah, you might not see as great of results, but if it's easier for you, it, you might as well stick to yeah. it. Totally. Exactly. Um, and I love that you mentioned eat when you're hungry, don't eat when you're not. Um, and then what else was I really liked about that? Eat whole foods. Yeah. Because I think too many Americans eat like the standard American diet, sad in parentheses, um, <laughs> too many, which is sad. <laughs> it's, sad. <laughs> it's too much processed stuff. Yes. Like yeah. I should say, I shouldn't say stuff. I should say crap. Um, because you don't even really know what you're getting in the, these yeah. foods that are prepared for you. Um, yeah. I think people kind of get scared when you tell them to eat organic because they're like, it's expensive. And I'm like, it doesn't have to be, I think using the, um, EWG's, you know, clean 15 and dirty dozen is yeah, a really good yeah, thing to go by. It is. Yeah. Um, and then, but also looking at the cost now, like, yeah, you maybe save or spend 40 extra dollars at the grocery store, but like in terms of long-term chronic condition, okay. Insulin or, you know, insulin's expensive. Having diabetes is extremely expensive. You know, all of these long-term chronic diseases are yeah. 
hefty on the price tag or even insurance or whatever insurance doesn't cover. So I think it's um, switching people's mindset from looking, you know, short term here at the price and looking more of like long term of like, okay, over your entire life, like, wouldn't you rather be healthier versus, you know, being worried about the 40 bucks now? Yes, um, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, love that. Um, so are, is intermittent fasting good for everyone or are there people who should not participate in it? I just think yeah. about people who maybe have an active eating disorder who yes. are kind of like restrictive with their food or, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah. what, what do you so, have to say? Um, patients that are on, so no, it's not for everyone. Um, patients who are on are diabetic and are on insulin or on certain um, blood sugar controlling medications, they should not do intermittent fasting without having um, the guidance and um, care of a physician. Because what we don't want to have happen is their blood sugar to drop because that hypoglycemia can be very dangerous, can actually cause death. So. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Like those patients should not be doing it without, you know, teaming up with a physician. Um, I always screen patients for not just an active eating disorder, but have you ever had an eating disorder in the past? And then, you know, we, I kind of talk about it and we make the decision together, obviously, like, is this something that seems doable or does this seem like it might trigger like that kind of whole thought process that is going to get spiral back into these, um, behaviors that we don't want at all um, to have happen. So this this has to be something. And the other thing, when I say when I say I use intermittent fasting for weight loss, the one thing that I tell people is this is a hormonal change that is taking place in your body. You lose weight because over time your body produces less and less insulin. So that is what results in the weight loss. Um, the weight loss is slow and steady. So if someone is like, I need to lose, you know, I need to lose like 20 pounds and I want to do it in the next week, this is not going to happen. Yeah. This is not what's going to do it. I mean, I've had people that have, I can't believe they stayed committed to it, but they stayed committed to intermittent fasting despite absolutely no weight loss for like six months. Yeah. Um, and then the, the pounds started coming off. So I guess people that are looking for something fast, um, people that, are, that aren't going to have the patience to kind of invest in this, this is, this is kind of something that you do not, it's not a diet. Yeah, it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. So if, if they're looking for something that is um, going to give them results in a very short period of time, this is not it. Mm. Really good. Really this is good. really something that people, this is kind of like, this is the way we're, we've evolved to eat. Yeah. The way we're supposed to be eating. I don't, 50 years ago for reasons that are beyond this podcast, um, we started being told that um, you have to have three meals a day. You have to have these two snacks. You have to like, you can't go more than a few hours without eating. And we got into this mindset of just constantly like eating calories. Um, and we have to kind of turn away from that and go back to the way our bodies were made to mm -hmm. calories and, and use our stored calories. 
Yeah, like the primal days, we didn't always have, you know, snacks and things available. We had to, you know, either go out and gather your food and then make it um, versus, you know, readily having things uncovered or always right there to snack on. So I think that's always important to come back to of what what did, um, you know, humans look like hundreds of years ago versus like 50 years ago, like you're saying, oh my because God. Yes. I think the food pyramid just screwed everyone up. <laughs> It was no good. It was no good. Um, I have a quick, um, some quick questions here to answer yeah. from my Instagram people. Yes. Um, they asked, is it better to do more days of shorter fasts or less days of longer fasts? Um, once you're to the point where you're kind of considering those longer fasts, it's better to do fewer days of longer fasts. But I, with the caveat that whatever works for your lifestyle is the better thing. Okay. Okay. Awesome. So again, everybody is different. Everybody is different at different times in their life. So whatever works and is most sustainable for you is the right thing. But if you like both and you do both and you can choose between both, the longer, so the more hours beyond 12 mm. hours, okay. so like 16 hour fast gives you those four hours of no insulin. But the more hours you have without insulin, the more efficient and effective the fasting is. Mm. So I kind of, so I kind of um, monetize the yeah. of hours of fasting. So a 16 hour fast is four hours without insulin. If I do that five times a week, that's 20 insulin free hours a week. Mm. Okay. Versus if I do a 24 hour fast, that's 12 hours each time without insulin. If I do that twice a week, that's 24 hours. Mm -hmm. So only doing two 24 hour fasts. Now we call them 24 hour fasts. It's really, you're eating one meal a day. So it's like you're eating in a one hour window. It's really mm -hmm. a 23 hour fast. Yeah. Um, but that is actually more effective than doing five 16 hour fasts. Mm, okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Wow. That's interesting. And the longer you go without eating, yeah. So like for example, when you're at the 12 hours that you haven't eaten and then you're at 24 hours that you haven't eaten and then you're at 36 hours, like more and more stuff is happening. Like there's a more efficient and effective, like powerful impact that this has on the hormones that your body is secreting. Hmm. So if, you know, people, a lot, some people, particularly men, like they do this and they're just like, oh my God, it's so easy. <laughs> Everything's always easier for them, right? <laughs> it's so much easier for them. <laughs> but also, you know, when you're down to your last 10 pounds to lose versus when you have a hundred pounds to lose, yeah. it's a lot easier to do it when you're doing, you've got a hundred pounds of like stored calories. Yeah. To burn. To like 10 pounds. Like 10, when your body's like, no, nah, I'm hanging on for these for dear life. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think exactly. that's a problem. We just want to hang on to everything. Yeah, um, we do because you know what? Like this is how we have lived and evolved. We've stored our fat. This is a yes. thing. <laughs> uh, what's the longest time that you've um, fasted for? Me personally? Yeah. You know, I am like, I suck. So the longest I've fasted is 
36 hours, but that's great. And the only reason I ate, it was, you know, by that point, the only reason you eat for me was I wanted to eat. I wanted the satisfaction of chewing and swallowing. Yeah. Um, and it's hard to be around my family and see them eating and not eating. And yeah, I, I also like, I'm very cognizant. I have an eight year old daughter and I don't want her to be like, Oh, it's good not to eat. Like I don't yeah. want kind of thinking about stuff like that. So, um, if I were alone, I would do it longer. Yeah. Um, but I also I I give up because I want to eat. Yeah. And she's very like community community oriented. Yes. Yeah. So it's like the whole family's at the dinner table and it's like you're just gonna drink your lemon water. Like yes. no. Like you want to yeah. sit and like have a nice meal with your family. Okay, that totally yes. makes sense. But 36 hours, that's amazing. Yeah, but let me tell you, like if you if you read more about it and Dr. Fong, like you can, particularly if you have a lot of weight to lose, you can fast for days, like mm. fast for weeks. And I don't recommend doing yeah. it without, um, you know, without someone monitoring you and following electrolytes, but as, as long as you're maintaining hydration, yeah, your body is providing the calories that you need. Mm. that's what your fat is for yeah it's not that like your blood sugar is going to go low it's not going to go low it's yeah. this nice normal healthy range yeah so you can fast for longer periods of time the main thing is you you just have to make sure that you don't get dehydrated so mm. what what i allow on fasts with my patients is obviously water um but also black coffee because caffeine is nice to have because yeah kind of suppress your appetite and your craving. Yeah. Um, tea is fine. And then for people that are doing, for a 16 hour fast, like you don't need any, um, you don't need bone broth. But if someone's doing a 36 hour fast or longer, you should probably be drinking bone broth because it's, you know, I tell people add so sugar or not sugar, add salt to it. Yeah. <laughs> don't add sugar. <laughs> add salt. salt. Sweet bone broth. Bone broth. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's too funny. Um, yeah, no, bone broth has so many amazing, um, you know, besides just what is, what do you recommend bone broth for? Just seeing like hydrated and like electrolytes and electrolytes. And like, yes. Okay. Awesome. Yes. And I mean, it technically it's, it like, if you want to be really religious about it, it breaks the fast. Yeah. Doesn't stimulate the production of insulin. Yeah. Um, so if it enables, like if someone can drink bone broth and a lot of times, so people will come to me after that month and be like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm used to this now I'm doing this now. What, what can I do to do it longer? So, um, because at 16 hours I'm watching the clock, like I'm ready. Yeah. To I'm like 1559. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, ding, let's go. <laughs> so I'll tell them like, drink a cup of bone broth because it'll yeah. kind of like if you want to push it out longer you want to learn to do an 18 hour fast you want to learn to do a 20 hour fast because most people don't go from a 16 hour fast to a 24 hour fast i'll tell them to use the bone broth to help kind of push that out and again once their body kind of gets used to it they don't need it anymore but if they do need it they've got it it's an option mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. That's amazing. Um, so my next question is, how does intermittent fasting affect your metabolism? 
So it's really um, interesting because we've always been told if we don't eat or if we go into starvation mode, um, our body will slow metabolism to kind of hold on to the fat stores that we have. This does not happen with intermittent fasting. So metabolism does not decrease. Mm. Um, in fact, in some studies, it's even been shown to actually increase some. Um, as long as when you are eating, when you're in that window of time that you're eating, you're not calorie restricting. Mm. So if you're, because if you're restricting your calories and you're fasting, that might result in your body, your brain interpreting it as um, starvation. Yeah. As long as you're eating enough calories. Now for people that are like, they're doing intermittent fasting, they're not feeling hungry, they don't have the desire to eat, they want to keep going, their metabolism stays nice and stable because mm. it's not that you don't have calories. If I checked your blood sugar, your blood sugar is in the normal range because you're breaking down fat. It's like your, your body uses your fat as a meal and it breaks down that fat and uses that as your calorie source. Mm. So well, it's not that you're restricting calories. Yeah. Does that make sense? 100%. Once you start eating and you start producing insulin, the calories matter. So if you're eating, but you're not eating enough and you're on board, then your insulin is like, oh my God, I got to, I got to shift these to store as fat. I've got to shift these to store as um, glycogen in the liver because look, she's not getting enough food or he's not getting enough food. I don't know when I'm going to get calories again. Yeah. Like, let me tuck them away. But if insulin's not being produced, there's no worry about that. Gotcha. Okay. Makes a lot of sense. Very helpful. And my last question for you, what are some strategies to help during your fast? I love the water tip and then the bone broth. That's amazing. Do you have any other kind of tips or tricks kind of yeah. easing into the, um, into the fasting? The easing into it is very helpful. Um, caffeine is very helpful for some people, but some people can't tolerate things like black tea, black coffee. Like they want their coffee with, um, creamer in it. You can't have that. Um, you, if your goal is not really to lose a tremendous amount of weight, or if you don't mind it taking a little bit longer, you can put cream like full fat cream mm. and butter in your coffee. Oh, like a bulletproof. Yeah. Okay. So, that again, that has a ton of fat, but it doesn't stimulate the insulin really. Yeah. Yeah. Those now it will blunt weight loss. So it it will prevent you from losing weight as quickly. But if you're not like if you're not worried about that so much, like let's say you're doing this because you've got fatty liver and you want to get your liver, the inflammation in your liver down, or you want to get your blood sugars down. So you don't care so much about the weight loss. Yeah, put put the cream, put the butter in your coffee. You can definitely do those things. Mm, I think for a lot of people, coffee is very like ritual for them in the morning. Yes. So that's like the one thing they won't touch. They'll change it. It's so funny because they'll change all these other habits, but they yes. won't change the one coffee. In the I know. <laughs> well, I, I always remind people, it's not that you can't have it. Yeah. You can have it. You just have to have it after you break your fast. Yeah. So you can mm -hmm. have it with, like, if you want to put sugar in your coffee, you want to just use milk in your coffee, that's fine, but you can't have it during the fasting time. Mm. And sometimes I think for a lot of people, like the idea of delaying 
Like they can have it, but they just have to delay to that wait. Much more manageable than you For can like, have this. Yes. Yeah. Because you tell someone they can never have something and then what do they want? They want it so bad. It's like so telling bad. kids they can't have like Halloween candy. It's like they want you'll see them digging through trying to find it. And it's like, why just happened? You know, we, th- our mind is wild when it comes to saying, you know, yes or no, or restricting things or, so I think having that reframe of just like, oh no, I can have it. I'm just gonna, going to have it at 11 a.m. when I break my fast versus at 7.30 in the morning. Yes, so, exactly. Wow, exactly. that's an awesome tip. I love that. Well, we can t- kind of wrap up there. Thank you so much for chatting. I'm so excited to kind of put these into use because um, I, I was like on the cusp about intermittent fasting, but I'm really glad that we chatted and I have a better idea of, um, you know, how to have success with it because clearly I would have gone all in and just tried to 16-hour fast and not <laughs> had success. Um, so I'm glad I can kind of really ramp into that um, nicely and hopefully we'll see some awesome results because I wish this was like a vlog so we could see you because you look absolutely amazing. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. This has been so fun and it's so good to see you. I miss you. Yes. Likewise. I miss you. We'll have to connect soon after this craziness is over. Yeah. Sounds perfect. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Allie McGee podcast. Please subscribe to the show on Apple podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Learn more at AllieMcGee.com and follow me on Instagram at AllieMcGee underscore.